Well, good morning. It is a good morning to be together, and it is so good to be here with you. I want to welcome all of our visitors. We're glad that you're here with us. We have a great privilege to worship our wonderful God, and thank you, Nathan, for leading us in songs that lead us to do that. We're glad to be servants of that great God, and today we want to grow in faith towards our great God. And so thank you, Nathan, for picking out songs that prepare us to approach the Word of God and see that. Our yearly theme is growing in Christ. We spent last year finding our place in the church and finding our place in the world. Now that we know that we have a place, we know that we should be growing in that place. We should be growing in Christ. And so this year we're going to be looking for ways that we can grow. And in our spring spotlight, which starts next week, we're going to learn how we can grow in faith. And now you're thinking, are we talking about faith today? Today is a prequel for the Spring Spotlight. That's a way of sneaking in an extra lesson. A summer series will be on love, and the fall focus will be on hope. So faith, love, and hope. And so we are focused on growing in faith, and so the next few weeks we'll be learning more about faith. But there are two different things that we need to realize about what faith is. There's a dual nature to it. Faith is about what we know, and faith is about what we do. Our spring spotlight will be primarily focused on what we know. Tim will be bringing lessons, and uh, we'll be bringing lessons on our faith in God, our faith in the Word, our faith in the cross, our faith in the resurrection, and our faith in the return of Jesus. And so we're going to understand our God so much better and be grounded in Christ together. So today we're going to look at the other side of faith, and that is faith by what we do. And we're going to see that through the eyes of a desperate man today. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. We'll be at the end of John chapter 4. We'll be there for the entirety of the lesson. So if you have your Bibles open, that will help you as we're there. Where do we go when we have nowhere else to go? Where do we go when we're up against something and we feel helpless? If we're in a hard financial time, what do we do? If we're in a time of difficult health, what do we do? Or maybe even harder, if someone we love is in a time of difficult health, what do we do? If we're depressed and we can't seem to get past it, what do we do? Our world tells us all kinds of conflicting messages when we are up against something hard. Some might say, you just need to be strong. Lift up your bootstraps. Get through it. You can do it and they teach a lesson of self-reliance. Others say you need to change your circumstances. Maybe if you're unhappy or things aren't going well, you need to move to a new town. You need to find new friends. You need to get a new doctor, get a new job. You need to try something different and get a fresh start. Others still may treat, say that you need to rely on your friends and family and rely on people who can help you. Go find a therapist that will help you. Go find someone who can help you get through the hard time that you're going through. And there may be some strategies that are helpful here and maybe some ideas and, and plans that are good, but they aren't everything because there's something missing in each of these approaches that are often prescribed by the world as a solution for our problems. And of course, the thing that is missing is God. God is missing in this. God allows us to see our world in a different light. We have a different perspective on what we are going through and because of that, We've got to seek to grow in our faith. We've got to see a reason for us to grow in our trust for God so that He's not forgotten in good times or in hard times. 
Faith is hard to talk about in our world today. It's a spiritual word, and so not everyone sees their need for faith. So I want to pause and recognize that everyone in our world has faith of some sort. Every time you get behind the wheel of a car, you trust that your brakes are going to stop the car when you need them to. Every time you sit in a barber's chair, you trust that they're going to take care of you, right? They're going to cut your hair with skill. Every time you send money through an app to someone else, you trust that money's going to get there. I don't know how that works, but it works. We have faith in our world, the things that work. And so when it comes to having faith, it is only when we talk about it in a religious experience where it starts to become something where some value it and some don't. So the question is the source of our faith. What do we have our faith in? Because having faith matters, and it can be valuable, but it doesn't matter that much if it's not directed towards the right thing. We have to have faith that is directed to something that is trustworthy. And so today, we need to decide what we are going to put our faith in. And you're here today. And so you've at least started to put your faith in God. You've at least started to consider the possibility of trusting God with your life, and I'm glad for that. And maybe you've been here for a long time, and you've been coming to Castleberry for maybe your whole life. And so you're continuing in your faith, and we can be thankful for that. But today, I want us to just see how we can grow still more in our faith and have a greater trust in our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at this great story in John chapter 5 together. We're going to see our text in John chapter 5, starting in John chapter 4, excuse me, in verse 46, because there is a lot we can learn from this moment of faith from a desperate man. So read along with me, starting in verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he, began, so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. What a beautiful story of Jesus taking care of a desperate need. But the first thing that we see about faith is that true faith asks. This, the last verse there in verse 54 tells us that this is the second miracle of Jesus in the book of John. And each miracle has the same effect. Which, by the way, you'll remember, John tells us the point of his book. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're going to see that in this story. This is a story where we see a, a sign from Jesus, 
We see belief in Jesus, and we see life in Jesus. It's going to happen almost verbatim for the purpose of this book. Because this is a miracle story, and this is a belief story. And so each miracle has the same effect. Just earlier in the book of John, the water had been turned to wine at Cana. And at the end, the disciples believed. And even in the last conversation had, Jesus has just talked to a Samaritan woman at the well. She told the Samaritans everything that Jesus had said to her, and they heard her testimony, and the Samaritans believed. Everywhere Jesus goes, he makes a great impact. He's influencing all kinds of people. When we hear his disciples believe, we think, well, yeah, they're the ones that are his disciples. Of course they believed. But then we get into the region of Samaria, and the Samaritans believed, and we start to think, okay, Jesus is starting to reach different kinds of people. And here in our text, we're seeing he's reaching yet another kind of person. He's reaching an official, someone with power, someone in the government, someone who is on the exact polar opposite end of the Samaritan woman at the well. This is a powerful person. Jesus impacts the people who are willing to follow. He impacts the people who are poor and outcasts in society. He impacts even the powerful. So the question is, will Jesus impact us? Are we going to be the kinds of people that respond to Jesus? So let's see some lessons that we can grow in our faith. So true faith asks. So this man was in a desperate situation. I think we can see that just from reading the text We know how scary it is when someone we love is seriously sick. We've been there. We've felt the anxiety. We've felt the worry. We've felt the fear. Those are moments where we feel totally out of control. We got a phone call that a friend or a family member was in a car accident. We feel scared. We know a medical issue of a friend, and we're scared for them. Even if we can't get someone to answer their phone for a long enough period of time, we get scared for them. This man was in a desperate situation. Now, this man was not helpless by worldly standards. I mean, he's an official. He's a man of power. He would have had resources and access to the best medical care of the day. He would have had every opportunity to try and find something to heal his son. But apparently, none of that has worked. None of that has helped bring his son out of the sickness that brought him close to death. Didn't fix anything. And his position as an official might have made it harder to come to Jesus. He would have been an official that would have been connected to Herod, who was over the region of Judea. And this is the Herod who, in a few chapters, is going to behead John the Baptist. This is not someone who is friendly to Jesus. In fact, the the official position of Herod's government is Jesus' public enemy number one. That's who he serves. Also, he's from a city called Capernaum. And Capernaum was not a city of righteous people. I mean, do you remember what Jesus said about Capernaum? Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this, And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty work done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Wow, the worst city in all of history is considered to be better than Capernaum. So how can a man of faith come from this background? From the house of Herod, from a city of wickedness, a man of faith is coming from there. 
The reach of the gospel is astounding, is it not? doesn't matter who we are, where we're from, who we're connected to. Grace can still reach us. Jesus can still heal us, and we can still have faith in him. There's a lot of reasons why this man might not have come to Jesus. I mean, nothing had worked so far. There was nothing that could work. And his position, his background, made it difficult to come to Jesus. So what does he do? Does he give up? Does he reject Jesus? You know, for people of faith, nothing stops us from asking Jesus for help. Nothing stops us from asking Jesus for help, because true faith asks. The text tells us that he went from Capernaum to Cana. That's about a 15-mile journey, and it is all uphill. It is up a mountain, and it is not an easy journey to make. The man doesn't try to show himself as more powerful than Jesus here. I'm going to send a servant to him and summon him to me and expect for him to come. After all, I am an official in Capernaum. It's a great city. He doesn't try to summon Jesus from a distance. He goes to Jesus. He goes on the journey, and he asks Jesus. I just say, may we be humble like this man. We want to be humble like this man. If a royal official came and asked Jesus, so can we. We can be the kind of people who get up and go to pursue our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you think of your faith, if you haven't gone to bow at the feet of our great Lord and Jesus Christ, a faith isn't where you sh it should be. We need to be people who ask because we start by asking God for salvation when we are baptized. Our greatest need that we have is to have our sins removed and to have our life changed forever so that we can be His. Our greatest need is that salvation from sins. And we continually go to God and ask for help throughout this life. But we have to ask. But our story continues. The man doesn't stop here. Because he goes and he asks. And what Jesus says is fascinating. Because he says, unless signs and wonders, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official simply replies with his request again. Come down before my child dies. Here Jesus is using this as a teaching moment. He addresses the crowd and challenges their faith. He sees that our faith should not be purely reactionary. Because I saw something, so I believe. But our faith should presuppose the deliverance of our great God. We should trust in Jesus as what he says before we ever have to see him do anything. Jesus might have said this because of the official's background. I mean, here's what Herod thought of Jesus in Luke 23 and verse 8. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly, greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. This is not simply just Herod that does this. This is a lot of people want to see something exciting, something special. They want to know Jesus through a spectacle. Jesus saying these things to the official was a moment where it tested his resolve. How badly did this man want to see Jesus? How badly did he want to ask him his request? If you go to ask for help from someone, the only person that can help you, and they say, you don't really believe I can help you. Only if you see signs do you believe 
How do you respond? How do you respond? Do you feel disrespected in that moment? Do you feel like, how dare he question me after I made this 15-mile journey uphill to come and ask you for help, and you say, I don't believe? Do you say, well, maybe Jesus doesn't want to help me today? I might just go home. The man simply asks Jesus again. He doesn't give up. He doesn't stop. Faith isn't true faith if it falls apart at the first speed bump. I think we can easily be discouraged when difficulties arise and when we have to question as a result. So this man simply asks Jesus again. So let me ask you, how is your faith doing? How is your faith doing? Are you feeling like you can ask God for help today? Are you feeling like you've overcome some difficulties and you are continually ready to ask God for help? We need to be growing in our faith. So how can we tell if we are persevering in our faith? Well, first we can tell by where we are on a Sunday. Are you continuing to come to worship? Some people only come to worship when things are going well. As long as my bills are paid, as long as the doctor's visits are infrequent, as long as my family is going well, my marriage is going well, I'm happy, I'm rested, I'll be there and I'll be ready to sing and ready to worship with my brothers and sisters. Others only come to services whenever their lives aren't going well. If my conditions aren't right, I just lost my job, I just lost my family, I'm feeling down, my health is no good, I need to go find God again. Some say, if the conditions are all wrong in my life, I'll be there to worship God so that my life can be right again. Brothers and sisters, that's not faith. Faith is there no matter what is going on in our lives. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about the people who can't make it. I want to not, the people who are shut in, the people who are perpetually sick, the people who need our prayers, we need to be encouraging them because that is hard on their faith for their life that they're going through. But we need to be there Always. Consider the Psalms. I mean, many of the Psalms were written in times of joy, times of, of victory. God has delivered us from an enemy. God has taken us through some difficulty. God has forgiven me of my sins. Praise be to God. That's a great many of the Psalms. But on the other hand, there are so many Psalms that they are in the depths of despair. They are being defeated by their enemies. They are on the run from even their own family, if you're David, and yet they still sing to God. That is faith, that you can see a song sung in any moment of someone's life. Faith that perseveres is a true faith because it lasts throughout all seasons of life. So we have to be with the Lord's people every first day of the week, ready to worship. Secondly, we have to keep praying. I mean, this is similar, that if we trust God, we're going to continually ask Him for things. It makes sense, right? If we don't believe in God as much as we should, the first thing that falls off our priority list is prayer. If I don't believe God can answer my prayers, why bother praying? But if we're growing in our faith, we should be growing in the amount of time we spend praying, the amount of quality conversations we have with our great God. So I ask you, how is your prayer life? 
Do you find yourself praying at more times of the day besides meals and before you go to sleep? Do you even find yourself praying then? We need to be growing in our faith. And prayer is one of the ways that it is a symptom of our faith. We can see our faith through our prayer. So we need to pray more because our faith depends on it. And third, we need to want more of God. We have to continually, desperately want our God. We never need to fall into a place where we have enough of our God. We have to need more of our God. We have to have this growth in our Christ-likeness. We want to grow. We need to grow. Because we should be scared of what we become without Christ. So is your faith persevering? This man came to Jesus in faith, and he continues to ask Jesus in faith. But how does Jesus respond here? Let's keep going. So Jesus simply says, Go, your son will live. I love the simplicity of how Jesus speaks to people. I mean, remember, they're 15 miles away from the man's hometown. There's no way to verify. There is no way to see it with his own eyes. I mean, remember that faith is the assurance of things not seen. This man has no way to see what Jesus has done. I mean, here's our temptation in this moment. We'd say, Jesus, can you please just come with me to Capernaum? Can you just take a little beeline, 15 miles, you'll be back in a day. I would want to see Jesus lay his hands on the child and heal him in front of my eyes. We want to control what Jesus does, when he does it, how he does it, and we want to make sure that we have our hands on the wheel. Or maybe we'd accept that Jesus isn't coming with us. And then we'd say, can I get a receipt? Right? I want to maybe take a hem of your garment that I can touch to the child and have some sort of, of method that I can see with my eyes and carry with me. Maybe send one of your disciples along with me so I have someone who is there to help me in this moment. Maybe show me a sign right here, right now, so that I can trust that this is happening. Now, the simplicity of this moment is amazing. Jesus simply says, your son will live And then what does the text say? The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. True faith is faith that walks. We often want things that are guaranteed. We want, when we purchase something, we want a refund when it breaks. We want a long warranty. We want to make sure we get our money back guarantee. This is why recent flight delays, by the way, have made the news so much. Something that we had put so much faith in, that our, our airline systems are running like clockwork. They get there when they say they're going to get there. They leave when they say they're going to leave. The planes work. And so when things start to get off the rails, everybody's talking about it. We're not used to things not going the way we hoped they would. We had faith in that moment. We want to know, and we want to be able to plan without having any change coming across it. That's not how faith works. True faith is able to take a little bit of information. Your son will live and not know all the details and still believe. True faith doesn't just believe enough to say, okay, Jesus, I believe you. I'm just going to stay with you until a servant comes and gets me and tells me it's okay. I'm going to hold God hostage until my prayers are answered. 
That's not true faith. True faith is given that little bit of information and goes on its way. It's the ability to do that. Now let me ask, do you think you could have done that in that moment? Your son is sick, facing death, and you have gone on a 15-mile journey to come and find the Lord Jesus. He simply says to you, your, fa- your son will live. Do you think you could have just gone on your way? Do you think you could have turned around, gone home, without anything in your hands, saying, I have a tangible reason to believe that Jesus has done this? You know, we haven't been healed from a physical illness like this boy has. Not in the same way, necessarily. But we have been healed. We have been changed. We have seen Jesus do a great work in our lives that our sins have been removed, and we have been changed. We have to go in faith. Go, you will live, is really what he says to us. Because we are a people who have been changed by his great, miraculous love and grace. You know, in this man's life, there are two great moments of faith here. He had the great moment of faith to leave his son's bedside and go find Jesus in the first place. How hard would that be? Your son is sick to the point of death. You don't know how much longer you have him, and you're willing to go find Jesus. And then the second great moment of faith is being willing to leave Jesus when Jesus tells him what's going to happen, to trust him and to go back. And so when we go on our way with faith, we have lots of opportunities to show Jesus we believe in him. We have to change how we live, change how we think. That's what an experience of Jesus does to us. So walk in faith. But there's one more thing that we see that the man does that shows us his faith. And that is true faith proclaims. So we see the aftermath of his conversation with Jesus here. Jesus says, go on your way. You know, he says, your son is healed, and he goes. And as he's going down, right, down the mountain, back downhill into Capernaum, his servants meet him and tell him, your son is recovering. The servants don't know how this could have happened. There is no medical reason for it. There is no uh, change of events that happened in the house. Simply the son just started getting better. But the official knew. The official knew what happened, so he asks them, what time did he start to get better? And he gets better exactly the time that Jesus had said that he would live. Of course, we see the amazing power of Jesus to heal. He can heal someone who is close to death with just a word. And I love what the text says next. And he believed, and all his household The man didn't just forget about his interaction with Jesus. He didn't just say, well, I got what I wanted, going on with my life. Moment forgotten. He didn't keep it to himself. Think, wow, that was impressive. Anyway, (laughs) he had a moment with Jesus that changed how he lived and changed how he talked, changed how he thought. He was a man who believed in Jesus now. And he was a man who was willing to tell his whole family that they should believe in Jesus too. The man didn't forget what Jesus had done, and so the family was changed. He shared his faith. You know, we too have had this life-changing event with our Lord Jesus. He has 
forgiven us of our sins. He has shown us what we can be through him if we take on his Christ-likeness. He has shown us the hope we have in heaven because of his great grace that he has shown us. Are we proclaiming? Has that faith changed us enough that we are just telling the next people we see what God has done for me? We need to be. Because true faith is faith that proclaims. True faith is faith that shares. Faith is never something that ends with something. It is spread to the next person. It is like a living thing because it continues to grow. If you don't believe me, read the book of Acts and you'll just continually see the word of the Lord grew. It multiplied. There were saints being made in every city that they came into. The word of the Lord grows because faith is proclaimed. So if we have faith, we have to share it. So what about us? I mean, we clearly have some measure of faith. We're here today. We're worshiping our God together. We are focused on Him. We took the Lord's Supper. We sang songs together. But what stage of faith are we at? Are we still at the beginning where we're asking God for mercy? Are we persevering through something difficult in our faith? Are we walking in our faith, practicing what we believe and going on our way? And hopefully, we're proclaiming, right? Or we're sharing that with everyone we know. We need to be a people of faith. But today, I just want to encourage you to strive for more faith, to grow in faith. You can take your faith and you can make it into something more. Do you know why? Because we have a great God that is trustworthy in everything He has said and done for us. We can go with Him. He will be there for us. He has given us every reason to trust Him so far. What can we do but trust Him more? So let me ask, are you desperate today? I hope you are. I hope you're desperately needing more of Jesus Christ. If you feel like you are okay where you are without Jesus, you're missing something. You're missing an improved, better relationship with the Lord and Savior who would die on the cross for you. You're missing a God who wants more for you. We need God and we need God more every day. The best thing for your faith can be to realize your desperation and your desire for Him to grow. Nothing causes our desperation to grow more than realizing our sin, our shortcomings, our need for God. Because we are a sinful people who need our Lord to save us. And it is so good to be able to trust in that God that can save. He is trustworthy, and we can always lean on Him and faith. So today, if you need to make a change, if you need to come and ask in faith that God may save you, you can do that in the song that we're about to sing. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and repent of your sins. That is the first step of faith in a long journey where you can continually grow to trust God still more. Or maybe you've become stagnant in your faith. You've lost some of your faith. Today we can make that right. Come forward and ask us to pray for you. God just wants you to come in faith. So won't you come as we stand and sing?